food lovers everywhere. You're listening to On the Menu Within and Peter Haig, and we're going to continue diving into all the specialty food association, specialty food producers, um, as evidenced in the Fancy Food Show. Uh, this week, we're going to focus on some of our favorite sweets, starting with uh, Askinosi chocolates. Uh, we interviewed uh, Sean Askinosi, the founder of the company, uh, way early in the beginning, 2009 for his company, and then again in 2012, and while hadn't he grown. Uh, right now, co-owning this and doing a lot of the work is his daughter, Lauren Askinosi. We enjoyed um, meeting or e-meeting and interviewing, so sit back and listen to Lauren tell us about the journey. It's so exciting to be interviewing Lauren Askinosi of Askinosi Chocolates. Um, we've we've loved this company and its products uh, since we first encountered it when her father was founding it, and his story was so compelling, and we just got to feel really comfortable with everything. Uh, about the company and, and the people involved. And lo and behold, his daughter, Lauren, has moved to the top of taking over this, this operation. And you're having a great time, I understand, Lauren. I, I am. I am. I am. You know, I'm lucky. I, I, my dad is still CEO, but he and I co-own um, the company together. You know, I've been involved really since the beginning, but um, officially involved when I graduated from university at 20. Um, so it's been just a, the greatest joy to get to travel the world with my dad to these far-flung places and, and, you know, work alongside our amazing farmer partners and take students with us and also to be a part of this conversation of what is craft chocolate and why should we care about where our cocoa beans come from and why is this chocolate bar $12? Um, yeah. it's, it's a conversation that we feel, you know, lucky to um, be a part of with consumers. Well, why don't we start with that for people who haven't followed us in our coverage of Askinosi Chocolates, uh, which is probably one of the best-known brands of craft chocolate out there, uh, no matter how many people I have. Uh, I, I, I talk to uh, everybody has some kind of connection in some way with um, Askinosi. Um, so t- tell us about the, what is craft chocolate and how did your company start? What what is the backstory, which is interesting in itself? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, we are celebrating 15 years. Uh, this oh summer, uh, which which is hard for us to believe, um, but we actually just did a ribbon cutting with our really kind Chamber of Commerce in our hometown of, of Springfield, Missouri, um, and it was just such a joy to see all of our friends in the community come out and celebrate with us um, and with our team. You know, we're celebrating 15 years, and we're also celebrating several employees um, 10 year anniversaries with us. So we have four, um, people on our team that have been with us for a decade or more at this point, um, which is oh just, my. 
you know, mind-blowing, and, and we feel so lucky to be doing what we do and to have, you know, be making craft chocolate as long as we have and to be a part of people's, you know, celebrations and special moments and, and dinner parties. So craft chocolate um, for us is all about... Um, you know, working directly with cocoa farmers. And we're known for really pioneering direct trade in the craft chocolate industry. So that's you why were. you'll see our farmer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you really you were. The, the most yeah. unlikely thing for your father to turn around and do, actually, too, right? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, he was a criminal defense attorney for 20-plus years and, and loved, <laughs> truly, you know, loved what he did. But but he was ready for something else, um, and that's, you know, uh, what led him to craft chocolate, and we write a lot about that in our book. Um, he and I, I feel, uh, co-authored I feel, a book in 2017. I still picture him like Gregory Peck. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he would be. He would be so honored to hear you say that. You know, he really. For those who haven't heard the story of what is bean to bar chocolate, why, why don't you give us the, your version of it? Mm-hmm. So, we partner with farmers to buy rare, premium cocoa beans. We import them from the Philippines, Tanzania, Ecuador, and the Amazon to our factory in southwest Missouri. It's about a 10,000-square-foot factory at this point. And we make the chocolate from the cocoa beans, um, our small production team of about 10 people, um, by hand. And that process is around 70 steps and can take, you know, anywhere from a couple of weeks for a chocolate bar, depending on what we're making. Um, so it means that we are taking, you know, painstaking care to highlight these amazing cocoa beans and to really do justice to, um, you know, the beauty of, of cocoa without adding a lot of other things to it. Now, we do have some fun bars and where, you know, we add um, peanut butter and orange and, you know, even some really unique things like avocado and black licorice. Um, but, that one I've never had. Avocado? <laughs> yes, avocado, yeah. <laughs> never heard of that one. <laughs> but our, uh, you know, our our core products are just cocoa beans and organic cane sugar. And, yeah. um, you know, we really want to highlight the amazing work of these farmers um, that grow these beans and, um, you know, showcase how excellent just pure chocolate, you know, with just those two ingredients can, can taste. Well, I mean, you can, the, the thing that's most, that stands out the most is from the whole operation and the product, you can feel that there's intelligence behind every move you make. <laughs> that's the thing that really sort of knocks my socks off. <laughs> well, I must say that there is seeming, there's high incidence of people who are big successes in other areas chucking it all away and starting to be uh, making chocolate. I'm, I have no idea why, but that is not uncommon totally. Although your your father's, uh, uh, his path, I think, is pretty astonishing and it's, it's so great mm-hmm. and the earliness of it. So um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, no, I mean, you've won all kinds of things. Um, oh, I, I forgot to mention, I said beating the bar, Peter said beating the bar. Um, I, I want to point out, you also just came out with the drinking chocolate, right? Well, we, we've we been making a sipping chocolate for a while, but I'm wondering if you're thinking of our barrel-aged chocolate bar, which... Um, oh, no, that, was, that's wonderful. I have the, the label. I <laughs> ate that right away. I mean, that's always oh, going. Good. <laughs> I yeah, have it right here in front of me. That's the. She, she got to that, that one so before that me. Yeah, you didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> that one we're excited about, and that just won the Gold Specialty Food Association Award this year, which we were really proud of. Um, that bar was five years in the making because that's how long we aged the nibs in the oak whiskey barrel. Um, so it was how excited a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, yeah, and the, um, the do you still do Chocolate University? We do, yes. Chocolate University is a is a huge facet of our business and has been since literally day one. Um, and it used to be an arm of our company, and it's now its own 501c3. We have a, a board of directors that my dad and I sit on, but. Um, essentially, it is an experiential learning program for young people in our community of Southwest Missouri, um, and it reaches up across the ocean to um, our communities in, in the Philippines and in Tanzania, where we source cocoa beans. Um, so, in our hometown, we have elementary and middle school students that will come to our chocolate factory. Um, throughout the year, we're involved in their units of study, um, and we hope to inspire them about small business and entrepreneurship and, and really a world beyond you know, Springfield, Missouri. But then we have a high school program as well, and we've been doing this since 2010, though we had a, a pause during the pandemic. We're excited to be resuming this year, but we take a group of really just astonishing, excellent um, high school students with us to Tanzania for about 10 days um, in the summer, and we do this every other year, and they work with us alongside our farmer partners. They work in our community development programs, like our Empowered Girls and Enlightened Boys programs, and they see this direct trade in action. They see us profit-sharing with our farmers and inspecting cocoa beans. Um, so it's it's a it's a huge part of you know what my dad and I do and and everyone in our company is involved as well and it's something that we're really passionate about and and we are currently raising money right now um, to bring our next group of high school students with us in 23. Um, so people that that want to learn more about Chocolate University can visit chocolateuniversity.org and they can join the newsletter list um, and sign up to learn more information because we're 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 back um, after the pandemic with our high school students. Yeah. And we can't wait. And and, yeah. and and there's there's no there's no charge for this. This is an experience that people have. Correct. And and they you 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 make the money someplace else in order to be able to afford to do that. Correct. We fundraise to send these students. Um, on this trip, um, and you know, most of these students have never been on an airplane, much less left the country. Um, I mean, these are really bright, really hardworking students, but that you know, just many of them otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to you know take a um, international business 
you know, travel um, immersion trip like this. So, um, yeah, it's something that, that we fundraise for, and, and um, it's truly one of our favorite parts of our job. My oh, dad yeah, mine too. Now, now, do some of the, now, do some of the students actually join Ashkenazi Chocolate Company after they get back? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, they do, um, though usually in, in kind of an internship capacity. So right now, in fact, we have one of our um, Chocolate University um, alumni that is um, working with our executive director on um, a program this summer um, for some high school students. We've also had several students go back to the village where we work in Tanzania. Um, they'll take a gap year for example, and through, you know, different programs and of their own volition, they'll, they'll go back to do work in these communities, which is really just so amazing, amazing. for us, you know, to, to, to see this come full circle like that. It's, it's sort of like the chocolate uh, Peace Corps. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very kind of you to say. I mean, we have a, a phrase. Uh, that it's not about the chocolate, it's about the chocolate. And we say that a lot, and, you know, what we mean by that is that we we have to be creating great-tasting, excellent chocolate that people love to eat and share. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do all these other things that we do. Uh-huh. You know, right, we, wouldn't, right. we wouldn't be profit-sharing with farmers if there were no profits. And so, you know, they're very intertwined, this, you know, pursuit of making, you know, the absolute best chocolate possible and also doing as much good as possible in the world at the same time. Am I, am, am I remembering correctly that, that Eskenazi puts, puts the, ne- the identity and the picture oh, yeah, we of, have of, the, yes. of the individual farmers on the, on yes. the packages so you, so you can actually enjoy, enjoy the, because... You're actually seeing the work of the person mm-hmm. who's pictured on the package. Absolutely, yes. We we do picture our lead farmer partners on our chocolate bars. We share a little bit about them on the back of the package, and then we share even more about our farmer partners on our website and on our social media. They're they're a huge part of, of what we do, and, and what, what we website are website is the what is it? Askenosi? Yes, it's askenosi.com. And we ship nationwide, even during the um, summer. So oh, people can... Yeah, that's, that's become an issue. I, mean, I, I, had, um, I had some chocolates coming from Europe, and um, it, it was a DHL for delivery. And, mm-hmm. and And... They were supposed to ring the doorbell because they, oh. they were not, yeah, and they didn't. They just put, it was a Friday, they put a tag on the front door saying oh. that, that, that that nobody was home, but they didn't even ring the doorbell, and, yes. and there was no I'm way of knowing. And, and it was mm-hmm. like 90, 95 degrees, and, and I couldn't reach anybody couldn't get anybody, oh. and then they had to deliver it on the following Monday, and everything was melted. <laughs> yes, I have no idea yes. how it was stored or anything. Oh. Yeah, Unfortunately, that is a, a huge part of what we deal with. I, uh, I have some curious thing to ask you. Is 
Uh-huh. I mean, I know there's a stock answer to, to things like this, but why is your chocolate so much better than everybody else's chocolate? <laughs> I mean, well, I know the usual kinds of things you'd say, but, I mean, is there some secret thing that I don't know about? <laughs> that's very that's very kind. You know, I, I, I think there's two things. One, you know, we have these relationships, you know, I mentioned that we have a, a good portion of our team has been with us for 10 years. We've been working with our farmer partners, most of them for over 10 years. And I truly think it's not just, oh, you can taste the love. I think you can taste oh, yeah. the, the skill and the dedication of, of, you know, these people that we work with that have been doing this for such a long time. And each step, you know, um, contributes to a really great tasting chocolate bar. But, you know, we have a lot of other craft chocolate maker friends that make amazing, you know, tasting chocolates. Um, I always try to direct people to other makers that, you know, source their cocoa beans ethically and and produce their chocolate bars ethically, um, you know, over something that you could buy at a grocery store. Um, which really, in many ways, doesn't even compare to bean to bar. Oh right, bar. right. But um, yeah, but I mean, even with the, the creme de la creme, Eskinosi is a standout. That's what I've always well, wondered. And and, and well, it was a, a long curve getting some... up to spend. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It was. Well, I wish. Can we let the Can we let the little secret out, Sean? There's a lot of. A lot, of, a lot of the people who sell chocolate bars buy their chocolate from somebody else. Ah, so yeah. can you, yes, yes, you're right. I mean, there's most, most chocolate makers are not buying their cocoa beans directly from farmers. Right. That's, right. Yes, yes. It's, it's, a, it's a rare practice um, in our industry. Now, many of them are buying them um, through a broker who who does specialize in, in ethically sourced beans, but it's not the same. You know, it's not the same as uh, literally knowing them like we do and being able to share profits with them because you can't share profits with people you don't know, um, nor can you really truly verify um, the quality of the beans unless you're there inspecting them yourself. But, um, you know, we know some people in the, the spice business that are doing the mm. same thing, connecting directly mm-hmm. with the farmers. And there's, a, there's a lot of um, tomfoolery going on with spices mm-hmm. and uh, yes. also olive oils, another one. I mean, if people only knew where half this stuff was, <laughs> the yes. real story behind half of the pro- yes. products they buy. So, well, now, I mean, you've, you've reached this point, and I know there's a lot to just maintain all your activities and your quality production. Um, but looking ahead, I mean, what, what's in the future for Eskinosi? Uh That's a great question, and I love it because it's something that my dad and I, um, as well as the rest of our team, have been talking a lot about this year. You know, it's such a milestone anniversary. You know, I can say that, we are we're growing, and we're in a phase right now of of trying to keep up and to maintain 
the laser focus on quality that we always have while being able to scale to, to meet this demand. But we're also we're doing some innovating. We're working on expanding into some um, newer products, newer kinds of chocolate offerings that um, we haven't ever done before. So we we have some challenges ahead of us, but we're we're excited about uh, what we what we have planned. So I wish that I could share more details. Yeah, about I was going to say, could you give us a hint? Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. Follow us on social media. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, okay. So you're not you're not able to hint anything. I I wish I could. I wish I could, okay. but I can't. And you know, some of it is still it's you know it's still quite early, but um, yeah. But we we see that there's a big opportunity to expand um, a little bit beyond the traditional chocolate bar, and um, into a couple of different arenas that are still chocolate focused. Um, and so that's that's all that I can say. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure that somewhere along the line there's collaborations. That seems to be my current trend. I've witnessed yeah. collaborations yeah. with. Uh, Artists and producers. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. We've yeah. we've um, you know been lucky to do collaboration chocolate bars. You know, with some of our favorite brands like Intelligentsia Coffee and Jenny's Ice Creams, and right. And you know, those turned into a great product. But I also love the process of of working with you know other like minded makers. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we sound like. It. It sounds like you're enjoying your job and that you're right for the job, so that's great. Well, say hello to your dad for us. And, uh, Lauren, I hope that you'll share with us when you hit this next uh, uh, phase of, of what you're going to be doing so we know. You we bet. always like to be up up to speed on Eskinosi. <laughs> oh, you bet. You bet. You'll be among the first to know. Thank you. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're going to be staying in the uh, uh, the chocolate um, lane. Um, we're talking to Emmanuel Sperling. Um, it, the company is Milk Boy Swiss Chocolates, and it, it's a very interesting story about the continuation and regeneration of, of a very old chocolate tradition. You know, Emmanuel Schmerling, um, Milk Boys with Chocolate seems like it's been around forever. Could you tell us a little bit about its history? So, it is a bit true. Uh, the Milk Boy brand is actually a brand that's over 100 years old. It used to be a Swiss dairy in the M Valley. The M Valley is uh, famously known as the uh, birthplace of the Emmental cheese. Emmental oh, cheese right. is, yeah. is yeah. Emmental is the Swiss, the German uh, name for M Valley, and uh, that's the area in Switzerland where. Um, the best milk originates from. And like I said, it's the birthplace of the um, Emmental cheese. Mm-hmm. And uh, over 100 years ago, um, there was a dairy called um, uh, Milk Boy, and they manufactured uh, dairy products, primarily cheese, under the Milk Boy brand. Um, until the early 
um, 2000, about 20 years ago. Um, it was in the hands of uh, the fourth generation over there. And around, um, around the turn, around 2000, uh, there were a lot of changes happening in the Swiss uh, dairy um, segment because Switzerland itself is not part of the EU, but they no, wanted no, to be no. able to trade, to trade freely with the EU neighboring countries. And in order to do that, they, uh, they had, they went, entered into many different types of bilateral agreements um, that covered many different uh, industries that enabled Swiss businesses to trade freely um, as if they, you know, they were not part of the EU, but they were able to trade freely with the EU as if there were no borders. And, and, and part of Switzerland is still not part of the EU, correct? Still not till today. We're still uh, we're an independent country for, I think, uh, over 700 years. Uh, so uh, yes, yeah, so it's uh, there's a very strong independent uh, spirit in Switzerland, and uh, yes, yeah, so so far Switzerland has not uh, is not being part of not officially part of the EU, although. Uh, we have open borders uh, with the EU um, for people and and goods, and that's a result of those bilateral agreements that the Swiss government got it, got um, negotiated um, at you know in around the year 2000. Uh, part of those agreements were that uh, a lot of the subsidies that the government were giving to dairy farms and cheese manufacturers had to be uh, reduced uh, and eventually um, eliminated. And that caused a lot of consolidation and a lot of uh, small uh, dairy companies to either having to make a choice to consolidate with one of the big, larger dairy companies like Emmy or to go, you know, to go out of business. And this fourth generation of this milk boy dairy, um, the two young brothers, uh, they decided that they rather um, they rather go out of the dairy business and they actually turned their um, manufacturing place into a microbrewery. Uh, oh, today, no kidding. Yes, yes quite, like a quite, quite, a, quite a pivot, you know, craft beer and, <laughs> and, and, and they, you know, it became a tourist destination. And around the same time, um, so a little bit of a background, um, um, I'm coming from a family business that's been involved for also a long time. Um, I'm third generation. We involved in cheese and chocolate manufacturing in Switzerland, and uh, specifically for the kosher market. And we had a customer in England that used to buy this milk boy cheese, and uh, he contacted me and told me that uh, he can no longer buy it, and um, I should maybe look what happened to those, uh, what happened to that cheese. Um, we used to manufacture cheese not far from this Milk Boy Dairy in the M Valley, and when one day I was there, I decided to drop by, and you know we started talking a little bit what uh, you know what happened to Milk Boy, and um, you know, and that's where I got the whole story how they stopped producing and they. Uh, they went into a different line of a business, um, and it gave me the opportunity to take over the Milk Boy brand. Um, it was a little bit at the time where I was also looking to uh, develop a new chocolate brand. Um, now we're talking about about you know, approximately about ten years ago, and uh, because we were involved um, primarily in producing kosher chocolates and. Um, 
I was in the business of um, marketing that chocolate. Um, mainly um, U.S. was one of our main markets. Um, but I wanted to create something that has a, an appeal for, you know, outside, uh, not only for the kosher market, but for every type of consumer for, you know, for high-quality chocolates. And oh, sure. I took, you know, so I took, the Milk Boy brand, and I use that brand as the basis to develop um, to develop this tr- line of chocolates. Um, but a lot of it was going back also to the origins of the brand, the origins of the brand that tells the story of the Milk Boy that traditionally would go every spring up on the Swiss Alpine pastures, um, you know, grazing with the cows over there and using that milk um, at the time, they would use that milk for dairy manufacturing. In essence, using this alpine milk um, to create incredibly um, good quality products. And that was the inspiration for Milk Boy Chocolates, also taking this alpine milk um, in our manufacturing of our, of our, of our milk chocolates, um, of the Milk Boy line. Um, now, but we, it was... We, it was we actually, yes. yeah, we actually interviewed someone... Who, who did something very similar, except that their specialty cheese came from the Dolomite area rather than where you are, so sort of like the other end of Switzerland. Right, right. So the whole the whole Alpine region is really a very you know it's, it's the pure air, it's the it's you know the the luscious juicy grass. It's it's a. The milk that you get from this alpine area is is of an entirely different quality. It's much creamier, um, and you know if you can use that in whether it's cheese or in our case in chocolate. Um, of course, um, it's only one part of the ingredient. Um, all the other ingredients also have to be very high quality. And um, last but not least is the manufacturing part. Um, so we also endeavor to really bring back the age-old traditional manufacturing practices of uh, Swiss chocolate and in combination with all that um, to really develop and create a chocolate that's an extraordinary um, good tasting uh, and very typical Swiss chocolate. Well, I mean... You did did something a little different recently, we understand, because you got a Sophie Ward at the Specialty Food Association exhibit and that wasn't chocolate it was something else altogether chocolate drink it was drinking it was chocolate. chocolate drink but it's not yeah. it wasn't cho- chocolate wasn't a chocolate bar. so 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 actually actually we won um we're here in the u.s um probably since 2015 so that's um uh, almost seven years and in those we won five sophie awards for our <laughs> chocolates um we introduced now at the most recent specialty food, um, um, fancy food show uh, that was a couple of weeks ago in New York. We introduced our newest product, which is the Swiss chocolate drink, which is um, a typical a hot cocoa uh, product uh, that, you know, it's made with Swiss chocolate. It comes in a powder form, and you can add milk or milk substitute. Um, ideally hot, but you can also easily enjoy it also cold. And it's also, like our chocolate, it's a very rich, creamy um, product, uh, hot cocoa product. So that's our newest product. We have not entered that product into any awards yet, 
but um, it's on the same level of quality as our chocolates are, which have won many awards, whether it's the Sophie Awards or we also won five Great Tastes Awards. Um, so it's you know we we really try to create products that are of of a very high quality that people will really enjoy um, eating or drinking. Now the newest product, drinking as well. You should have, you should have watched our friends at the at the club on uh, Sunday. We took a couple of bars. I mean, they 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 just were inhaling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I looked around this uh, the table, the cabana, and everybody had this chocolate smeared on their face. It was so disgusting. <laughs> well, people people who are crave chocolate really uh, they don't wait two minutes to to dive into it, do they? Yeah, I, I have a feeling that if the word gets out among the chocolate drink community. That they will suddenly find that they want to create a different product rather than compete with Swiss Boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's other good products out there, and uh, I think that the nice thing about chocolates, or whether it's a chocolate drink or whether it's chocolate bars, is that um, it, people are happy eating chocolates. It, it creates a happy moment for people. And uh, and for me personally, when I see people, whether it's coming to a show or whether it's meeting people or when we do demos, um, when the people's face light up when they eat a good piece of chocolate and it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a very special moment to always experience that. Emmanuel, I, I, grew, I grew up on a diet that included hot cocoa. Hot cocoa at bedtime. <laughs> it was north of England. You know. this, is, this is not in Switzerland. It was not in the United States. It was in England. And I won't dignify the quality of that product by describing what its name is. I'll just say, I'll bet Swiss Boy wins a Sophie next year for this product. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now, how did you learn so much about chocolate? So, um, this goes a little bit back. Like I said, um, my grandfather started, um, not Milk Boy, but he started a different company um, that was, it's actually called, um, it's like my last name, Schmerling's Chocolate, um, in the 1950s. And they... It's a company my grandfather started, uh, you know, very specifically, like I mentioned, for the kosher market. And um, I took over the company in 2001. Um, I actually studied um, in the mid-90s. I came to study here in New York, and here I met my wife as well. And um, we were actually planning to stay here and to open up a and, you know, a sales and marketing office for the Schmerling's chocolate, for the kosher chocolate uh, part of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, my father, who at the time ran the company, he um, became ill and he asked me to come back. And shortly after we got married, uh, my wife hardly ever left the U.S. Um, suddenly, we decided to move to Switzerland. At the time, we kind of said we're going to go for one year. Uh, we end up staying. We ended up staying there for 16 years, and oh, wow. um, so yes, um, you know she adapted extremely well over there. She really enjoyed living there, and uh, 
the funniest thing is, is actually I was pushing more to come back here to the U.S. Uh, when we when we moved <laughs> back in in 2015, you know. So, uh, uh, but there was something we we talked about, you know, for 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 a long time whether we should uh, continue staying there or come back here, and we kind of said we can either you know discuss this for another 20 years or just make the move and. <laughs> And uh, if things work out, you know, then all good. And if there's reasons uh, that we find we should move back, we always have to, you know, we always had the option to move back. But uh, thankfully, we haven't looked back, and uh, we've, you know, been really happy living here. And uh, most importantly, um, our kids, our four kids that uh, moved with us, uh, moved with us over here, they they all very happy here as well. So uh, that uh, thankfully worked out very well. Um, so coming back, so I. I grew up a bit in the family of, of chocolate manufacturing, cheese manufacturing, and when it came time for me to have to step in and to take over managing the company. So over the years, I, I, I saw a lot of what was happening on the, in the chocolate market, um, in the international chocolate market, as well as the U.S. market. And in many ways, um, that kind of scared me from starting a new chocolate brand because um, it's a very competitive. Uh, I was going to say you couldn't have picked a more competitive niche to, to enter. Exactly. So it's it's very competitive, and also I had a lot of respect for you know there's there's there are a lot of good chocolate manufacturers out there. Uh, there's a lot of big companies uh, with a lot with many resources, and uh, I knew a little bit how difficult it would be to. Uh, for a small brand to enter the market, and that um, at the same time that challenge also kind of you know energized me to really dig, dig deep and to to really to develop something that you know I, I would feel confident to come out to the market uh, with this product and uh, at least I could say that what we developed uh, from 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 the product, from the packaging, it's something that um, I, I felt really proud to come out to the market, and you know, at, then hoping that the market will also um, receive it um, in a good way. And so, in 2014, I kind of like dipped my toes into it, and I decided I'm going to come to the uh, fancy food at the time that was in San Francisco. And we took a little boost over there, what used to be called the new brands on the shelf, and oh, I yeah. developed just three flavors, just to see a little bit what the market reaction would be a little bit from the people coming by. And I was, um, I was, I, I couldn't, pre- I, I couldn't predict how positive feedback we got from the chocolates, from those th- only three kinds that we presented over there, and. The funny thing was that one of the biggest feedback that I didn't really, I was aware of it, but I didn't anticipate it that strongly, was people was telling me that we're talking about the specialty food market, and people were telling me that they couldn't find, they were looking for an authentic Swiss chocolate, and they had such a hard time finding authentic Swiss chocolate in the U.S. market. Um, and you know, it, they it was have, underrepresented in the U.S. I mean, I know exactly, that. exactly. Yeah, even till today, um, you know, if we're talking about the specialty food market, you're going to walk into any 
a specialty store. You're going to find cheeses from all different countries, from France, from Italy, from Germany, from Denmark, from England. Uh, you'll find cheese from everywhere. But chocolate, which Switzerland, when you ask people what 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 does Switzerland represent to you? And most people will tell you chocolate, cheese, but you will be very hard-pressed to find, till today, really authentic goods with chocolate in the U.S. market. So that was a bit of a gap that I, I, I kind of like, I feel that we were able to benefit from when we came into the market over here. Now, I mean, when you define Swiss chocolate, I mean, are you referring to a style uh, an ingredient base. Uh, what? How do you define authentic Swiss chocolate? I think in the, in the most um, so cocoa doesn't grow in Switzerland, obviously. Um, right. I think what what really what, you know and what really makes and we're talking about now really good Swiss chocolate. What makes it stand out is I think besides, of course, the ingredients have to be really high quality ingredients. You know really good cocoa from really great plantations and uh, old ingredients uh, have to be really top ingredients. But I think what's, what Swiss chocolate makes always would make it unique is the manufacturing process. So, for example, you would have the counting process, which creates a smoothness in the cocoa, taking out the, bitter, the bitterness of the cocoa. Um, mm-hmm. Traditionally, that would be a very long process and uh, a very time-intensive process. And over the years, um, you know, there was there would be a lot of pressures and costs. So companies would always try to find how you know ways how to cut costs, but also cost uh, cut the time in manufacturing. So these were certain things that would um, be compromised about, and also you know would have a compromise in the quality. So. Real good Swiss chocolate that's manufactured in a traditional and authentic way is manufacturing chocolate without any compromises, without any shortcuts. And, um, and that applies to everything, whether it's ingredients or in the manufacturing steps itself. Uh, Switzerland has a long tradition of chocolate manufacturing. Um, you know, it's, I think they have you know, a certain edge when it comes to uh, manufacturing technology. Uh, till today, um, so that's what I would say characterizes uh, a really good Swiss chocolate. Of course, when we're talking about milk chocolate, um, you know, of course, just the Swiss milk um, is also something that brings an added uh, creaminess and an added smooth, smoothness to the chocolate that's distinct. Um, so that's in general how I would characterize a, a good Swiss chocolate. No, I mean, um, chocolate, um, kosher chocolate, what, what, do you follow general um, kosher production with your, with your chocolate to qualify as kosher? So, so Milk Boy is kosher certified. Um, uh, it is. But, yeah, but I would say in, in most chocolates today, um, chocolate is, is the, ingredient, the typical ingredients in chocolates are, by default, kosher. Milk is kosher, cocoa is kosher, sugar is kosher. Um, many inclusions, as long as they're not um, any kind of meat or bacon type of uh, inclusions that you sometimes see. Um, so, you know, but the, kosher means 
basically that ingredients are kosher certified um, that may be at the same um, you know when you manufacture chocolates that there is a, maybe a cleaning process depending on the level of kosher certification um, so that's that's basically what um, means kosher it doesn't re- kosher itself is not a reflection of the quality of the product it's no, just but a reflection I mean, there are that, rules. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you have rabbis involved and whatnot. I mean, can you legitimately say it's kosher? Absolutely, yes. Okay, well, yes. it's. I mean, that in itself is is interesting. You probably couldn't look ahead far and oh, maybe you followed the market that um, kosher has taken on an added um, advantage in the current um, issues of falling health. Um, it's, it translates as pure, and, and people rush to put kosher on their labels once this nutrition and health started coming to the forefront of, of selling product. So that's yes, an added benefit. Yes. Yeah. I think that, that is correct. I think uh, you know, maybe consumers um, feel that you know, an additional pair of eyes and additional controls um, – is you know contributing to uh, the quality control of a product, um, but today, if you are selling today in in the market in general, you have to have anyways you know all kinds of certifications, health certifications. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, our products are kosher. Um, you know personally, but here I'm talking now more from a personal point of view. Um, you know when certain you know, products that are manufactured in Switzerland, they, they are usually manufactured in a very high quality of, of standards, uh, whether they are kosher certified or not. So, um, you know, there are some markets that reflect more on the kosher certification, some less. Uh, so that's why, that's why, uh, you know, we, kosher, like you say, it's, a, it's an, added, an, an added certification that exactly. a lot of people, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, you might be amused. We interviewed a chocolatier, an Israeli chocolatier. She fell in love with making chocolate, and so she went, hauled herself off to France and learned from all the uh, chocolatiers in France how to make chocolate, particularly bonbons, and, yeah. and, uh, and returned to Israel only to realize there was no market <laughs> for chocolate bonbons <laughs> in Israel. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's also bad. interesting, yes. Yeah, that's also yeah, very I mean, interesting. You have, yes. It's sort of I'm backward, I'm backing into a funny situation. You don't even have a base, market base in a country. So, yeah. Well, listen, I, I just think it's, I, I, you made a whole bunch of people really happy with your chocolate on Sunday, I have to tell you. And um, I, it's, it's quality all the way, and I'm so glad that... Uh, uh, that you've won all those awards, and I'm sure that you'll continue winning awards. And thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to us about it, Emmanuel, and continued success. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Any of your children going to take over the company? My children are very young still. Uh, oh. they, they, yeah, so my oldest daughter, she's 19. She's actually studying uh, special ed. Um, at the college here, um, graduating next week, 
and um, my youngest one, my, young, my next one is 17. He's also still studying. Oh. And then I have twins. They are 12 years old. So uh, oh, twins. They have. I'm not pushing anybody in any direction. I let them figure out what they what what they're good at, and uh, you know things will work out for the best. Yeah. Well, we, we were happy to interview um, Ashkenazi chocolates, who we've interviewed over many years, because um, yeah, it is. And and Sean's daughter is now co-owner of the company, and uh, so that's I think that's something that. You don't want to push your children to do something, but there's something rewarding in having your, chick, your children keep the company running and following in your footsteps. So, yeah. well, well, in the meantime, they are. They, in the meantime, they are my main testers. Yeah, I'm sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> what my granddaughter says to me, Nana, I love candy. I love chocolate. <laughs> so. Anyhow, so I'm, I'm saving some for when she visits next week. <laughs> so thank you again, Emmanuel. Thank you very much as well. And uh, I hope to meet you in person at the next That would be good. All the best. Stay well. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Um, we're we're going to sort of partially leave chocolate down, but we're going to stay in the sweet zone. Uh, with Todd Goldstein uh, telling us about Woe Doe. What an interesting story. And boy, that's, that's one suite that's going down really quickly through Peter. Well, we're talking to Todd Goldstein. Or is it Goldstein, Todd? Uh, Goldstein. Goldstein. See, my best friend growing up was Aviva Goldstein. So that's my first choice. Um, it, you founded uh, a, this company called Woe Doe, which is a very clever name, uh, and for good reasons. Uh, tell us a little bit about the backstory uh, and, and why you, you were looking to, to set up this this particular product. Sure. So um, myself and my three boys all have severe gluten allergies. Um, and even taking a little step back further, um, I actually grew up in a family and owned a restaurant. So at the age of five, I used to go in and help the baker. And I was one of the kids that would eat as much raw and baked goods as possible. Um, and and no, no joke, my whole life I was always really, really sick. Every time I would eat, I was sick. But I would eat a lot of bread, a lot of baked goods. And then finally in 2011, I got diagnosed with a severe gluten allergy. Um, and then kind of fast forward to 2015, then 2017, um, two of my three boys at the time had severe gluten allergies as well. And I really felt that they'd never be able to eat cookie dough. So I thought to myself, you know, what happens if we took the idea of cookie dough um, but made into a more on-the-go treat? So taking the same cookie dough concept, we're making it gluten-free, plant-based, dairy-free, soy-free, egg-free, 
um, and making it into a cookie dough bar that really anyone who has an allergy or is living a plant-based or vegan lifestyle can eat on the go. Now, what was the, what was the name of the kind of per- person you thought this would appeal to? It was like a whoa, whoa, something or other. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. Anne has the piece of paper in front of me. I mean, in front of her. That I, I thought it was a very clever description. Sweetheart. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't know what you're talking about because I've it's, never it's, read it. It's at the top of the back page. Um, and, it's an, and it's an acronym. Um, uh, P-W-A-G? That's, that's, that's the one I was referring to. Uh, it's a person without celiac disease avoiding gluten. No, that that surprised me. I couldn't quite understand that one. Because it, it seemed, seemed to me that you were saying something different. Yeah, for me, I, I have, like, I, I'm not, like, I have a severe, severe gluten allergy, like celiac, and so, like, I cannot eat gluten, and neither can my boys. Like, we get very, very ill if we eat um, any gluten at all. Um, and actually, my third son, who was born actually during COVID, um, he actually has a dairy, both gluten and a dairy allergy. So oh, he, boy. So he, he really has to be careful, huh? Yeah, super careful. And so, you know, Wodo has really become the on-the-go treat in our household. And it's not because I'm the founder. It's just because my boys love it. And it's, I feel good about putting it in their bodies, right? It's clean ingredients. It's 140 to 170 calories. Um, I will admit it does have real brown sugar, but you can't have cookie dough without brown sugar. <laughs> I know nothing about cookie dough. I'm probably one of the few people in the world that never ate raw cookie dough. <laughs> but but let, 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 let's get this straight. You essentially re, reinvented or re, recast cookie dough altogether. Yeah, that, that's correct. I found so a way you, to make so cookie you made, dough. You made, the, you, made the, you made the gluten go away. That's correct. And the dairy. And the dairy. Okay, okay. And, and you have all kinds of other health benefits built into the product. Yeah, that's correct. So they're, they're only 140 to 170 calories. Um, they're um, 4 to 5 grams of protein, a good source of fiber, um, you know, plant-based, dairy-free, soy-free, egg-free, um, non-GMO project verified. They're really meant to be that, you know, indulgent treat that you feel good about putting in your body without sacrificing the taste. Yeah, it, it sure tastes really good. I I sneak a bar every once in a while. Sweetheart, right? Yeah. I don't know whether you've snuck any or not. I just tasted a little bit of yours. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a sweets person, basically. We, but, we, um, we, we discovered something very interesting not not too very long ago, and that was that my my old English mother discovered brownies. Brownies. Well, well, while she was on a, a trip to the United States, and she became totally, totally, absolutely, totally div- no, distracted by the idea of brownies. Brownies, and said, "Why don't Why don't they have them here?" And the answer, I guess, is. Boris Johnson ate them all, probably. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you just got selected by um, for high school nutrition. So, tell us about that award. 
Oh, so I was not even uh, aware that we had gotten selected for award um, to this, uh, the School Nutrition Association. Um, we're actually attending the School Nutrition Association trade show um, in Orlando right. this upcoming week. Um, and, and really for us, it was um, because four of our flavors contain no allergens at all, none of the top eight allergens, um, we, thought, we thought it was really important to attend that trade show and really kind of get the word out that Wodo can be a treat that can be enjoyed by uh, students at all levels in the school environment. Well, that, that's a, a, a nod to, to, um, to you. I mean, because they have to be real careful. Um, there's a liability issue with what they serve in these schools. So that's a real nod to you and, and the purity and nutritional value of your product. Yeah, I mean, we, we, really, we really take pride in the, the fact that we, we've really kind of made it a, a cookie dough product for all. Um, and, and really, it's, um, you know, it tastes like cookie dough, um, and it's, it really is cookie dough, right? It's really, you know, it, it's, we made cookie dough and put it into a bar form versus, um, you know, a lot of products out there today that just, you know, are a protein bar but then flavor themselves as different types of flavors. Right. Right. Now you have four flavors. Are you looking to add more? What so are your actually, four so, flavors? So, so we actually we have six flavors in total. Yeah, um, yeah I'm have, looking at this. Uh, I'm looking at the sweetheart. I stole yeah. the piece of cardboard that said what how many uh, how many different cookie bars there were. So why, why don't you introduce them to us, Madison? Sure. So we have, we have six flavors. Uh, we have chocolate chip, brownie batter, sugar, sugar sprinkle. Uh, those yeah. four all contain no allergens. And then we have peanut butter and peanut butter chocolate chip, which obviously contain allergens. Right, right. That's a nasty allergy, peanuts. Now, these are actually made in Cleveland. That's correct. So they're made in northeastern Ohio. Um, You're you're forgiven. (laughs) I know, I know. you're, You're forgiven by... By all cookie dough monsters who happen to wear <laughs> steel uniforms. <laughs> and what's your season hey, going to be like next year? Yeah, probably not good because uh, I mean, you know, love or hate uh, Baker Mayfield, but I mean, he he was a grinder, right? I mean, he's you know he really kind of embodied the spirit of Northeastern Ohio. Um, yes. And again, you know, you just you just never know what's to come. But that's the that's Cleveland sports, right? I mean, you look at Pittsburgh; it's Historically, they've always put a good team on the field, and and just kind of you know, top down management, and it's uh, you know, unfortunately, you just never know what to expect in Cleveland. But I always hope for a good football year and a good sports year go. altogether. So you so you're a fan. I, I am a fan. I'm a fan of. Uh, well, this will be the first year we don't have a Roethlisberger for a long time. First time for a long time. I don't, I don't, I don't think we solved. I don't think we solved the problem, but we do have this interesting phenomenon for the following season, which is that one of the players that the Steelers drafted actually attended the University of Pittsburgh and led the team, the University of Pittsburgh team, to some pretty, some pretty remarkable numbers. So we're 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 hoping that he's going to do the trick. I like to well, call it homegrown to, talent, right? 
Right. Well, it's always, it's always fun if you can do that. So back to Rodo, if we please, you guys. <laughs> uh, where do you think you're going to go with this um, with this company, Todd? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, today we're in about 2,000 stores nationwide. Um, we're also sold on Amazon, um, you know, Kroger.com, Walmart.com. Um, we're in GoPuff, um, you know, more locally we're in Heinen's, Giant Eagle, Tops, uh, Central Market down in Texas. Um, we're also in World Market. Um, you know, very shortly we'll be announcing that we're going to be uh, launching on a major airline. Really? So, oh, wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, you we're, really we're, took we're, off then, huh? Yeah, we're trying, right? It's uh, buck, buckle off, right? Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it is that, you know, we recognize that cookie dough is a fast-growing trend, uh, but we also recognize that it allows people like myself and many others out there um, in the raw. And so, I think there's a big opportunity. Um, again, you know, it's really first going after the people who can't eat traditional cookie dough, but really it's, it's a healthy snack for everyone. And so, uh-huh. you know, my goal, is, my, my, my goal is to kind of start with cookie dough bars, but then, you know, see where it takes us from an innovation standpoint. Now, what do you do with the fact that one of the downsides, I guess, I figured, is they're very, the bars are very sticky. I mean, when you start to yeah. when you start to eat them, and you start peeling off the wrapper, you finish you finish up with what politely would be called sticky fingers, probably called <laughs> a few different things than that. <laughs> well, you know, to me, have you, you know, have, when you I, thought, have you thought of including a, like a like a, uh, a, a napkin? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> package them up with the uh, the white things. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's you know, it's you know, to me, I think that kind of goes to the authenticity of the product. That it's not yeah. your typical. <laughs> it's not your. I'm just going to say, people who want cookie dough, they they expect the sticky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. God, if you're, if you're sitting next to someone in an airplane, for example, who opens a cookie dough wrapper, then, you, then you're going to finish up wearing some of it, and you may not. It may be sufficient to, to start a brawl. You can never tell these mm-hmm. days. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we really, in creating Wodo, we really stuck to the texture of cookie dough. So you're not going to have that, like, you know, typical, like, hard, protein bar texture. It really is cookie dough in a bar form. Um, But almost anything you eat affects your hands, right? If you have potato chips or peanuts or crackers, um, you know, even it's cookie, right? There's still some crumbs. So, you know, whatever you eat in the market today, it leaves some sort of, you know, something left over. And so for us, I mean, I'm okay if my fingers are a little sticky if it tastes good. Uh-huh. When do you tell Peter that that was a really stupid comment? <laughs> that's, that's me, just in case you were wondering. Um, Todd, what, what I'm thinking is, I mean, you've made enough market headway with just this one product that um, when you add flavors, I mean, you pick up maybe more um, market um, share. But, I mean, are you going to 
carried this the uh, uh, the wodo the cookie dough theme throughout all your products from your company, or are you going to pursue the uh, celiac um, line, or, or what are you going to do in the future? What are your future plans? Yeah, I mean, I think our our goal is, our goal for wodo is really to be a cookie dough company, and so if you can imagine what cookie dough can can grow into today it's a bar um, but we imagine it could be a lot of things to a lot of people um, and we want to be part of the experiences in people's homes and when they're on the go that resonate with cookie dough so without giving any specific detail of what's coming next um, you can kind of use your imagination right um, you know our, our product is meant to be cookie dough and each flavor kind of resonates with the different cookie dough flavors of you know, potentially baking cookies or having bites or the okay. many other things out there when you think cookie dough. Okay, well, that tells me what I wanted to know. <laughs> and, yeah, so um, you, you're fitting the, the perfect niche at this time in terms of um, the concern with celiac and also um, gluten sensitivity, which is even... Um, a larger number than what you're dealing with with people really with a gluten allergy. Um, and you have the nutritional and, and other um, um, benefits, health benefits profile. And, uh, and, and, and you're a nimble company, apparently, so I think you're going to do really well. Uh, do you have a website you'd like to share? Sure. So our website is just wodo.com. Uh, W-H-O-A-D-O-U-G-H dot com. Okay. She's writing it down. I'm not writing it down, but he can't read my handwriting, so that's going to be good. <laughs> I like you guys. You guys are fun. <laughs> well, I like you. I'm glad we finally got to talk to you. So, anyhow, um, listeners, believe me, um, I... I have not made many inroads into it. The only shot I have is is the one with peanut butter because Peter doesn't like peanut butter. But that's the only one I have a clear shot at being able to eat. <laughs> it's taught continued success. I I just think it's a great idea, and I bet your boys are happy with you too and proud of you. Yeah, it's really a you know it's really a family thing. I mean, you know, my boys come to the office. They um. They, um, you know, whether it's packing boxes or, or, or going to farmer's markets to uh, hand product out on Sunday when my family's out and around town, um, you know, it's, uh, it's truly a labor of love. Um, and so, you know, we're excited to see where it goes. Again, we know how tough it is to build a business, and, you know, there's no guarantees in success, but we're going to work as hard as we can to try and make uh, Wodo a household brand name. Well, count us on, on people pulling for you. Uh, thanks for taking time to talk to us as well. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much. And if you guys need more product, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to send you some. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye, Todd. Bye-bye. Take care. I don't remember who had a signature phrase um, on what television saying how sweet it is. Um, but I'm going to say it anyhow, how sweet it is or was And now that does it for us for another week. Join us again next time, same time, same place. And until then, 
Bye-bye.